Hi, you're listening to Afraid to Ask. This is a podcast where we answer all your prickly, embarrassing or controversial questions. My name is Andrea and on this episode I'm talking to AUT Event Management Program Leader Dr Alison Booth and Balamahan Shingari from AUT School of Art and Design. We'll be talking about the unfortunate commercialisation of cultural holidays, specifically Diwali in today's society. Have these holidays lost their meaning? Are they celebrated for the right reasons? If you have a question that you're afraid to ask, feel free to send it to us with the hashtag AskAUT and you might just see it as the topic for a future episode. Let's get into it. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on first. What's the deal with airplane peanuts? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? At this point, I'm too afraid to ask. I'm Allison Booth. I'm uh, in the School of Hospitality and Management, and I'm the program leader for the event management program. I do my research in um, on India and the diaspora, and have a background in Indian performance. I'm Balmohan Shangade. I work at St. Paul Street Gallery as a curator there, um, which is AUT University's gallery, art gallery. I was born in the South Indian city of Hyderabad to a Marathi father and a Mysore Tamil mother. Grew up there until I was 10 years old and moved to New Zealand with the family. And we've been here since. And I guess my uh, research does focus on interpretive studies as it would be under contemporary art. But uh, my master's focused on interpretive studies of Hindu myth focusing on the god Shiva, which is a slightly different set of traditions of Hindu thought to Diwali, but still it's within that broad uh, tradition of thought. So, Bala Mahan, have you grown up um, celebrating Diwali traditionally? We have, but it's not a uh, festival that we can call ours. And what I mean by that is, uh, at home, our home festival is Dashara. And the day that we're recording this um, interview, in fact, is the fifth day of the Durga Puja. So each uh, family or each um, uh, sect of people, Fakapapa back, you could say, to different traditions, different gods and goddesses, different um, uh, groups of uh, uh, stories and mythologies. So Diwali is Hindu. But from our family's perspective, ours is Durga Puja and Dashara and the goddess Kali and so on. Uh, but in India, of course, yes, everybody celebrates Diwali. Uh, not just Hindu people, but everybody. Oh, okay. So, um, because in Auckland here, we now have our own um, Diwali Festival of Lights um, celebration, um, usually around October. Alison, can you tell us a bit about how that came to be? This festival has developed over since 1997 when the uh, government and the city councils decided that they would use festivities and the idea of festivalization, which actually is a way of using festivals to promote cities in states that's called boosterism. So you're boosting the image of, an, of a city or a country by events. So in that way, the Festival of Asia was a pinnacle event. It happened on Elliott Street when uh, the first mall here in Auckland, a big city mall, got developed and built, and they closed the street down, and 
all sorts of countries were involved, and they brought performers and uh, government officials in to celebrate the diversity of Asia. And with that, they brought Indian musicians. And those Indian musicians actually also performed at something that was called the Festival of India. The ISKCON, or the Hare Krishnas, were, had been doing for two or three years before that, uh, where they'd closed down, uh, they'd closed down Queen Street and they'd have a, a big float that would come down the street celebrating Krishna. So they were doing this at the same time, and it's the first time that festival was able to actually have international acts. And that was the Pulsar event that sprung out with involvement from Asia 2000, which is now called Asia New Zealand Foundation, and the city councils. It was the birth of the Lantern Festival and right. the Bali Festival of Lights. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. so they both came out. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, Jennifer King, who's still involved from Asia New Zealand Foundation, she started the, uh, in 2000, she started the Lantern Festival that was in across the street from us for a long time and has now been in Albert Park and has now been moved over to the uh, domain. And was there much involvement in that festival uh, with the actual Indian community in Auckland? The Festival of India was very much based within that ISKCON mould, and with that attracted actually quite a lot of non-Indian people, which is quite um, indicative of the ISKCON movement globally. Right. When so that's the Hare Krishna. The Hare Krishnas. Yeah. And then the when the at the same time the Auckland Indian Association, which was founded in nineteen thirty eight, which owns the Gandhi Center and the com- Temple Complex on New North Road, they had they had actually recognized the fact that the Indian community the diaspora was growing quite considerably in Auckland and they made a Diwali celebration within the temple. It attracted Mm non-Indians. It grew. The city council started to look at it. Jennifer King went, oh, we've done the Lantern Festival, which is a light festival. Let's do a Festival of Lights, at which point she branded it Diwali Festival of Lights, and it was moved to the town hall for the first time in 2002 and has grown significantly from then. Okay, so um, how do you think the, I mean maybe Bala Mahan, you could answer this question, the Indian community felt about that? Oh, I can't speak for the Indian community, I can speak for myself. Yeah, speak speak for yourself. (laughs) Um, uh, And our, when we first moved to New Zealand in 2000, and remembering I was a teenager at the time, we went to the festivals that were at the Mahatma Gandhi Center. And it was really uh, important for my family in order to uh, make friendships and connections all across the different um, ethnic region groups of India. Um, So being born and raised in Hyderabad, they had of course had uh, a number of Telugu friends. Um, but it was a way to come together across the different ethnic groups. Um, because Diwali, as I've experienced in India, is a festival that not just Hindu people celebrate, or Hindu Indians, um, and I, as I understand it across the world as well, it's an official holiday for 
where Indian diaspora is, like Trinidad and Tobago, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and Diwali is also a celebration for the Vajrayana Buddhists. Uh, the Sikhs, they celebrated uh, for a different reason, and Jains because Mahavira attained moksha at that time. So it's kind of, although more recently we see it as a Hindu festival, uh, it's it's a festival across India for many different ethnic, cultural and religious groups as well. So there's that difference always in the mix of a festival like Diwali. So if it goes across all those groups, what does it celebrate? My very basic understanding is that it is the triumph of light over darkness. Mm, yeah. So the popular uh, um, version of Diwali, it, it is the triumph of good over evil, light over darkness. And it's attributed to the story uh, within Ramayana where the god king uh uh, when he's exiled after 14 years, returns back after defeating Ravana, returns back to his palace in Ayodhya. But what's interesting to me is that the celebration of Diwali as a ritual ceremony predates Ramayana. Um, it goes way back to um, the Puranic tradition. So there's old sacred texts in the second half of the first millennia um, as rituals for the goddess Lakshmi. And it's still, when we celebrate Diwali at home and we offer prayers, it's to that goddess, Mm -hmm. um, Lakshmi, who's popularly um, depicted uh, as the goddess of prosperity and so on. Mm -hmm. So there's there's the sort of uh, the tradition that has the festival of light, the tradition that has prayers to uh, goddess Lakshmi, the tradition that uh, says that it was the day Mahavira attained uh, moksha, or a kind of freedom from birth and mm. death and so on. And even in the Sikh tradition, I uh, understand that it was Bandichor Divas to mark the release of Guru Harbo Gobind from Mughal prison. So mm. there's the reason for celebrating within the Sikh tradition as well. So, but at its core, in as a sort of um, easy way of thinking about it, is this kind of kind of good over evil or light mm. over darkness. Which is a very universal yes. thing, isn't it? And with the, with that comes also the idea of a New Year's celebration. It's yes. that sense of renewal. Right. And yeah. so that you get fresh clothes. Yes. You display your wealth. You exchange gifts. You exchange uh, foods, particularly the sweets. Sweets, yeah. Mm. yeah. Because if you think about it in the sort of geographic context of India, it's just after the harvest as well. Oh, so okay. you're yep. just after that you're renewing, you're kind of got all the harvest and you're starting afresh, starting yes. again. Yep. And it's to mark that with Lakshmi to say, the goddess of prosperity, mm. to say, let's renew uh, on the best possible terms. Right. I actually remember, I think I, w- I went to one of those very early ones at the Mahatma Gandhi Centre because I had a, had a good friend living in New Zealand at the time who was Fijian, uh, Indo-Fijian, and she said to me, come along, and we went along, and I remember buying a little, it was printed on silk, um, painting of, which I now realise is a picture of Lakshmi, mm. I think it's her, and there's a palm tree, and mm. she's holding it. Nice. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's quite great. It's good to sort of learn the significance of that. Um, so... That was the traditional. Um, now, what have we got going on now with Diwali? It's quite a different. Well, it's thing, different, isn't it? but it's or actually quite the West Auckland one. Yeah, in in Auckland, it's quite complex mm-hmm. because yeah. Diwali. I mean, we call it a festival, but it's really a festivity. It was really a puja. Mm-hmm. It's really a religious 
ritual and even with that sharing um, it's kind of like Christmas it's this thing mm. where you it's a community binder and there's certainly traditional things that you do with it yeah What's happened in Auckland, which you can say is Christmas and also with Diwali, is mm-hmm. we have the Santa Parade. Mm. Right. Nobody expects it to be on Christmas. No. Everybody goes to it. And it's all about it. And it's upside it. down. It's, it has nothing to do with the Christmas traditions of being a winter festival. Mm. Nothing to do with the religious connotation. It's about Santa and fun and kids and a little celebration outside in the sunshine. And nobody would dream of having it on Christmas. Now, with Diwali, and it's called the Santa Parade. It's not Mm. calling the Christmas Parade. Mm. With Diwali, and this makes it rather contentious and makes it different than a lot of Diwali large civic celebrations that happen globally, those are normally called melas. Mm. And a mela is a festival. A mela is not a religious thing. Mm -hmm. It's a festival. The moment you call it the Diwali Festival, the fundamental Hindus get really upset about it because it's not a festival. You take the religion out of it. Right. Also, it's a lunar calendar so that when you get people who are producing it who are from the government and they need to arrange overseas international performers, mm-hmm. book the Aetia Square, do all the infrastructure stuff they have to do, they have to do it at the agreement to all those other stakeholders and it never actually it rarely happens actually at Diwali they also have to do it two weeks in a row because it goes down to Wellington and sometimes it goes to Christchurch or Dunedin so there's a whole lot of logistics that happen Mm. which bring it out of the lunar celebration so it's a bit like Easter which which changes because absolutely those lunar and it's kind of wonderful to have lunar celebrations Mm. I think they we need we need to remember that there's not just one kind of calendar Mm. Uh, but with that comes a lot of angst there are a lot of um, people who have been involved in it from the very beginning who have actually shaped how the festival has gone right and and with that we get different kinds of performance Mm. represented Um, there's a lot of a lot of competition of who actually is going to be there Uh, it's traditionally been a vegetarian festival in Auckland although certainly many many Indians are not uh, are not uh, vegetarian Mm, they're non-veg they're (laughs) non-veg and the non-veg is actually now represented at the box who sell uh, chicken tikka pizza okay and beer right we're just going to take a break and go out to the streets to find out what people think of Diwali uh, and what it is. Do you guys celebrate Diwali? Yes. You do? No, I don't. Yeah, the festival? The yeah. Indian festival? Um, no, no, not really. I'm Indian, yes. You do? Yeah. Ah, awesome, awesome. And can you tell me um, what the um, meaning of Diwali is? Diwali is, well, the basic meaning is, you know, the festival of lights. It's about um, lights and all that. But the actual meaning behind it, the depth, is that it's good over evil. On this day, we celebrate the triumph of the returning of our God home. Did you go to the Diwali festival over the weekend? Yeah, we just went to go to the food stalls. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, we love food. <laughs> Oh, I, I went with my family here. Yeah. I hosted it. Oh, awesome. Do you think that when Diwali, 
for example, when it's come to New Zealand, that it's lost some of its essence? To be honest, um, I decided this was going to be my last posting because I felt like we don't celebrate Diwali anymore. It's just an event with food and performances. It used to be all about, you know, Diwali back in the day with fireworks and stuff, but it seems like with just the way people behave at the event, I didn't find it very Diwali-like. You know, I've always hosted during the day, and this time I hosted during the evening, and I saw a very different side of things, so. So you were telling us, Alison, about um, how Diwali Festival of Lights celebration is is celebrated in Auckland Well, here. yeah, we've talked about a bit from the civic, from the... Um, the large civic event that happens in Aotea Square and it's been produced by the Auckland Council, which is now Atid, which has actually changed the stakeholders. But I'd like to go back to what the community does Mm -hmm. because with that, the community has not forgotten to have smaller festivals. Mm -hmm. And so there's still festivals. There's a very active uh, active cultural association in Waitakere who um, have been in existence since I think the 1980s, and they have one, they have a Hindi language school and a cultural tradition school, so they do one where they consider to be a lot more traditional than what's happening at Aotea Square. Um, and then there's also in Monacau, there's another one, which t- also has had a Fijian in Indian element to it. So, in fact, at that one, we so often get um, kava drunk and other uh, traditions which the fundamental uh, Hindus or conservative Indians would consider really not what you do Mm -hmm. at this particular festival. With that we get this incredible array of uh, cultural diversity. Absolutely and the way that I guess we celebrate it at home is um, being brought up in a Hindu household we do puja mainly which is Uh, done before we go to work, maybe we wear a new shirt or dress, Mm -hmm. we offer prayers to Goddess Lakshmi and then start again. And what is puja? Puja is a ritual ceremony, it's kind of like prayers but it has perhaps chanting or it might have, um, uh, you'll usually have a shrine to Mm -hmm. which that puja is offered and um, it's trying to evoke the god or the goddess or the spirit or whatever in that shrine and to kind of um, uh, offer uh, prayers or you might um, do chanting that might uh, reflect back on good intentions for you. It's like uh, setting New Year's resolutions in a way at Diwali time to kind of um, uh, go through a ceremony of purification of some sort. Yeah. Okay, great. Now, um, I, I know you have written about, Alison, about how in the past, especially I think there was a year when the Rugby World Cup was on and <laughs> Auckland hosted it, mm-hmm. and how um, the Diwali Festival was used then to to sort of bring in people, well, well to, to provide something for Rugby World Cup people to go to uh, in between matches. I mean... That's quite an. Ex- that was quite an interesting yeah. story. It's quite an interesting case study. Uh, Auckland Transport has started that year a fan trail from Britomart to mm-hmm. Mount Eden Stadium, which goes straight through Aotea Square. It got quite the uh, rug- the Rugby World Cup combined with the Christchurch earthquakes really had quite a. Uh, a quite a uh, made it very difficult for 
Diwali that year, all of the stall holders were expecting and the council were expecting an increase of maybe 30% participation. Instead, one of the large matches was moved to uh, was moved to this Mount Eden and also one on the North Shore, right in the middle of the Diwali celebration. So they it watered down the event quite considerably, and the uh, attendance plummeted by about thirty percent. And you had people going through Diwali running to the matches as opposed to having it as a tourism destination, which was a lovely idea mm -hmm. that the council thought it could be a cultural stopping point for uh, overseas visitors who wanted to stay in Auckland and not do any more traveling and explore the diversity of Auckland. Mm -hmm. So the repercussions of that were quite um, quite devastating to the local community. A lot, I know stallholders had been there for years who no didn't go back. Uh, but as over the years since then, it has been rebuilt. Um, and it's re been rebuilt um, with ATI taking over, the Auckland Tourism and Events Economic Development Limited, who are the who are brand who are part of the uh, city council, who work on larger strategies. So what they have done is, in that case, align themselves with the Rugby World Cup, and there was marketing and destination tourism that was actually connected together. But they um, they then uh, associated with the cricket one year. Um, before that, Sky City, where they were developing economic development, they would then bring in their larger stakeholders that brought in more money to rebuild the festival. Right. So, so that's, that's, yeah. yeah. Obviously, I mean, would would you say then that, that Diwali and other festivals, I guess maybe the Lantern Festival, um, sort of have become... Com in these cases, commoditized. Yeah, it, there it is. It is a uh, a type of commodification mm -hmm. um, where they become events become entities. They right. become brands. They're actually very valuable in themselves, mm -hmm. and those events actually underpin the whole tourism and economic development strategy of Auckland. Without the events, the mm hospitality industry, the tourism industry, would not actually be thriving. Mm. Mm. Okay, so you, and it's why the, um, we have the uh, New Zealand International Conference Center coming in, Convention mm -hmm. Center at Sky City, because it's seen as a way to bring more people into mm. our small, our very small community. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's a huge amount of cultural capital that you get by making something like Diwali or Lantern Festival. It's mm. just um, very, very... Uh, useful for the project of, say, mm. diversity or multiculturalism, mm. an mm. event that the statesmen and stateswomen can mm. come to and do um, uh, do speeches and so on. So yeah. it's um, Edinburgh has used Edinburgh actually has the Edinburgh Mela, and mm. that one has been used very very effectively mm. uh, for promoting. Uh, Multicultural Scotland, mm. you know, I mean the world is changing, the world is becoming so much more diverse. Mm. How do you celebrate the people? And I think the people is important in Diwali because a lot of people attend the Diwali festival from the Indian community and from outside with much joy. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean I personally love going to it, you know, um, and it has become something that we take the kids along. And well, at least in the daytime it is a very family friendly <laughs> 
and we're going to get on to that family friendly um, beautiful colourful thing to take the kids mm-hmm. to and um, but I know there has been a bit of a, a, a change in Auckland where um, well there have been a few protests in the past um, and we also have a lot of students coming in at night time and it sort of changes the tone of the of the celebration can you tell mm. us a bit about that either of you one thing that occurs to me to say is that it's probably the um, one big festival that um, without which you'd have your different ethnic groups doing their own thing and what I mean by that is, for example, being um, from Hyderabad, mm-hmm. my family celebrated with that community and that you could even say that class or that religious affiliation with the people. And there isn't as much crossover to say someone from North India or Northwest India, Northeast India, you know. So it's, and so when you have, I guess, something like Diwali, which is more stately, you have a kind of competition across all of the different demands um, of the different groups of people, mm-hmm. from the Punjabi through to the Tamil through to the whole thing, and also across generations as well. The new diaspora versus the people that have been here for hundreds of years even mm-hmm. um, want very different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that becomes a place where all of those different desires mm-hmm. get mediated. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you have in the daytime something that feels very different to something that you go to at nighttime, because uh, yeah, different people want different mm-hmm. things from mm-hmm. a festival like that. And mm-hmm. it's it's I, for example, don't want the same things that my parents want. So even in our household, we have a Diwali that tries to do two very different things. Right. So for example, at our Diwali, we do the puja in the morning with my friends who are uh, European, who are uh, Indian, who. Are culturally quite different who come Mm -hmm. to the puja but who also come to the party in the evening and um, uh, do the flip side of what Diwali would be. So instead of harvest season, we get out into the garden and plant. So, you know, just do it in a way that seems... uh, Sort of a spring festival. Mm. As a spring festival, Mm. exactly. So, Mm. you know, if you're following the seasonal calendars, what would seem appropriate to do here? Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it is that... uh, what people go to for that festival or for that stories or for those rituals are quite different across mm-hmm. India. And I th- but I think that what the government has done and the way that you make one united Diwali under this banner, which should probably be called a Mela mm. or it should be called the Festival of India mm-hmm. and take that out, especially since we are flipped around being a Northern Hemisphere person too, it's pretty hard to change mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. kind of perceptions of festivals uh, you know they turn everything's turned upside down but i think that the one thing that they, that festival attempts to do as does lantern festival mm-hmm. as does pacifica as does matariki it's a concerted effort by the government and the people who fund these things who have a lot invested in it to actually create an area which is united and there's a sense of homogenized culture, there's a sense of Mm. a oneness which has its place but I know that at Diwali there is this uh, and there's it's really sort of a bit of antagonism between the daytime and the evening Mm. Uh, and the evening because of the rise of Indian students, particularly living in the central city, it's the only 
place they can go once a year for free to have a wonderful party that's mm. been actually supplied by the city mm. council mm. and the people who are there during the day and the people there with their families it is raucous and they do you know they do mm. get drunk and mm. it is pretty wild and mm. things do happen and it's some people don't feel safe in that environment i don't know what you do about that mm. and i don't know uh, people need a place to actually party mm. Mm. It's a place where to feel at home mm. as well. If you imagine that a new migrant um, in the day-to-day -day doesn't quite feel at home going to clubs and bars because the people who run that don't share the same values, suddenly have the valley as a place where you mm. can mm. express that. Mm. And therefore, you, of course. Yeah, and Bangra, Bangra yeah. which is the musical tradition that is from the northwest of India, which has become globalized, which has incorporated not just traditional folk traditions from that region, but also hip-hop mm. and mm. all sorts of other so that's you know, the culture, dance, the, the, the dance the, that you the, see. We would know from Bollywood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bhangra, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you would recognize Bhangra. Uh, we have Bhangra musicians here in Auckland who perform on stage. Mm. Uh, they also bring live musicians from India. And that's really special for people to be able to have a dance party mm -hmm. in the middle of Aetia Square. And everybody knows the dance, mm. but it's really hard at that transition. Maybe the transition from light to dark, mm. the transition from daytime to evening, <laughs> right? And when you get to the evening, it turns into a completely different thing. And I have friends of mine, uh, kids who've grown up here from India who have been involved with Diwali forever. Their parents have been stall holders or whatever. They, um, they're, it scares them. Mm. They are not comfortable there anymore. Mm. Where 10 years ago, as kids, as little kids, they had no problem being part of the crowd. Mm. It has changed. Mm. Auckland's changed. And there have been protests. There was a, a last year, right in the middle of the VIP event with the prime minister and the mayor and everybody else there, uh, the students plus a, the international students who were scared that they were getting kicked out of the country, plus the, um, a union showed up in the hundreds mm -hmm. and basically stormed the stage. They didn't get on the stage. They were very controlled. This was at the Dubai, but Dali, yeah, at the opening cer ceremony with the prime minister. Yeah. So it has, it has become a place where you actually, your voice can be heard. Mm -hmm. The year before, there were some Sikhs there. I don't know if you yeah. remember, there were Sikhs there protesting because they didn't feel that their interpretation of Diwali was being recognized. Exactly. Even in India, there are many different Indias within India. So there's uh, mm -hmm. what... Uh, in India, there's a project that's underway, which is quite conservative, which is to try and re rewrite, you could say, India as a, originally a Hindu sort of place. And that's problematic in a hundred different ways. Mm -hmm. And it translates over here as well. That sorts, those sorts of communal antagonisms yeah. uh, have their way of mediating themselves in places like this. And it also, because of it being an RTS square, a civic square, you have quite politically active and uh, fair enough too because that's mm. a place where you can get visibility where you don't feel heard otherwise mm. um, the usual sort of protests about uh, uh, the way in which students might be manipulated into coming here f with so on and so forth those stories get um, 
covered up or not covered up but you know then just not as present we, we just don't see them as much or discuss them as much but when you have a, a space where there's so much visibility then that becomes a place where you bring mm, those discussions to the fore yeah mm. and this has really changed over the last what three years yes and exactly. really since the rugby world cup it's mm. become a much more a civic festival mm. as uh, with uh, religious roots. Mm, mm. There's been a question also about you know whether it should just be moved from Aotea Square and moved down to uh, the cloud and the, the and the shed ten mm. and divide the classical from the mm. uh, classical from the pop mm. and make it into more of a festival of India. Right. I wonder how that would work, uh, only because there's uh, there's so many different ways to go forward, really. Mm-hmm. And um, what occurs to me as ways of going forward is that um, for myself, as you could say 1.5 generation migrant, I don't know, but a migrant nonetheless, there's a different things that I want that are different to what my mm. parents want. And mm. um, there's, there isn't really one way to go forward. There's so many different uh, things that can happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have sort of mentioned maybe having a, a, a festival of um, Indian culture as opposed to a Diwali, a mm. public civic Diwali festival. It would be a public civic festival, but it would be taken, the religious context would be taken out of it. Right. Another suggestion that I've heard from people who have been involved with Diwali from the Indian community from a long time is why it's not completely themed Diwali. So mm. that there are lots of Diwali stories, there are Diwali movies, there's Diwali, you know, there's the, all these different threads. Nobody knows quite what it actually all is, but mm. you could have a diverse celebration of Diwali. And with that, with the uh, dance competitions on stage that Radio Toronto runs, you could make sure that all of the dances and all of the music that's performed is actually around those specific diversity of stories. It would make it a lot more challenging for the people on stage because they'd have to think about more what they were actually doing. Mm. But that's but at the same time for the kids that perform on that stage and for the dance and music schools in the city, that stage has provided an incredible platform mm. to grow their schools, their businesses, the cultural underpinnings of what it is to be an Auckland Indian. Absolutely. And it's that's really important. Huge. Yeah. Mm. Have you actually ever performed there? I have. I yeah. sing Indian classical music. Oh, okay. And um, there's a classical stage, which is uh, much smaller in size, and um, uh, it runs for about four hours, and various people get small slots to showcase the music. But um, I have performed there in the past few years as a singer. Right. Well, whichever way forward it goes, um, it's here and... You know, personally, I love it. I want to see it thrive and long may it continue. Likewise. Thank you. Yeah, it would be terrible if it disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something and I hope this podcast has given you some food for thought. Once again, if you have any questions you'd like to see featured in future episodes, you can reach us with the hashtag AskAUT. And you can also find AUT on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat and all those other social networks. See you next time. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You win this. Wow.
What does Marcellus Wallace look like? What's the deal with Aquaman? What's the matter with me, baby? What's the matter with you? How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on first. What's the deal with everything peanuts? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? At this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Why?